Project Sapient is a podcast meant to engage our brothers and sisters in the law enforcement and military communities in conversations that we all know we need to have. All opinions you'll hear are our own, are protected by our First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and in no way reflect or are meant to reflect the opinion of any specific agency, officer, or service member. Some opinions may be controversial. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, Ivan. How are you? How are you? What's How's going on? Ah, oh, you know, the usual crap. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Guys, Project Sapient, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to our channel on YouTube, on. Facebook, everywhere on all your podcast platforms. We want to thank our supporters. First and foremost, Havoc Journal, gymjunkies.com, vectorshields.com, liveboston617.org, wellnessforwarriors.live, doing amazing work. Um, thank you, everybody, with thousands of listeners. Yeah, yeah, we are. YouTube's everywhere. growing. Yeah. This is yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. So what are we doing this week, brother? All right, so we're continuing from uh, from last uh, episode, I believe we did. Good about, episode. Uh, me, my deployment in Iraq, kind of like the uh, first time landing and maybe my first couple months uh, in country. Yes. Uh, so now we're going to continue on um, of... Uh, kind of the continuation of that article so with havoc journal it, it turned uh, you know we kind of did it as a three-part um series if you want to call it in, Ooh, in a writing series. About it. yeah exactly so this one i wrote uh, may 8th of 2020 so um let's get it up ready yeah giggity. there it is giggity middle eastern veteran struggle with his own community yes is that you uh no i think that's one of my guys those actually. are cool glasses yeah goggles yeah they're old school they are old school so, in this article, I uh, basically go into how, what it was like to be in the military and uh, struggle within my own uh, community, mm-hmm. uh, Middle Eastern community. Um, so, uh, I start off by talking about how uh, my squad drives along MSR, which stands for a Major Supply, Supply Route. route. Uh, Did you say route? Route. Must be a cultural thing. Uh, something. Say root. Okay. Well, I, I'll say root too. Root <laughs> route, whatever. So cool, cool whip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool whip. Uh, so MSR Dover, uh, en route to Camp Anaconda. I'm standing at the gunner's position, wearing my face mask and goggles. Now, face mask is because of all the dust that we inhale. Yeah. Uh, uniform, uh, sweat from the desert heat trickles down my face and back. Wearing a 50-pound, or in reality, 60-pound IBA, which is our armor, uh, with extra ammo. My 16 right next to me in case my trusty 50 cal fails. Um, the trusty 50 kill. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a human being to shreds. <laughs> we don't shoot humans. We shoot objects. <laughs> I'm wearing, uh, so we approach a one-lane bridge, and Iraqi army have the traffic stopped on both sides. Uh, my squad temporarily stops to assess the situation. Our battalion commander uh, wanted me to tell, uh, ask the Iraqis uh, that are standing next to us, so what's going on? So I talked to them in Arabic. And they're like, holy shit. Well, the Iraqi soldier looked perplexed at first and he stops me and says, I don't speak English, even though I just spoke to him in Arabic. It didn't register. You fucked him up right away. Oh, yeah. No, he was like, 
he was like dumbfounded. Brain brain cells were fucking oh, yeah. going nuts. I mean, I mean, if you could see smoke and drool coming out of him, <laughs> probably that's what happened. Like me this morning. <laughs> yeah. So again, I responded. I said, "Okay, how about we speak in Arabic?" And he smiles. He's like, "Okay." He's like, "No hablo español." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah, exactly. Like, no, we're speaking Arabic here, dude. Yeah. So, uh, so he, so he goes ahead and he says, "Hey, um, uh, you know, uh, how about we speak Arabic?" And he explains that you know there was a uh, situation uh, on the bridge and it was all good and go, you know, good to go. And, yeah. And we, so uh, these were one of many encounters I had overseas in Iraq, and and the Iraqis we used to see civilian. Uh, translators embedded with U.S. soldiers. One thing they could not get used to was an actual American soldier who spoke Arabic. Just it, it could not. It wasn't registered. It just could not register with them. Um, so, so what was it like for me to enlist? I, so I was met with fierce opposition by my local Middle Eastern community, uh, and that is what I'm saying at the U.S. So at home. I was called everything from the enemy, traitor, bad son, bad example for the younger generations. I could hear about, uh, I, I would hear about fathers going to religious figures in the community asking advice on their sons so they wouldn't end up like me. Put that in now, now let me, let me stop you. This is here. Here. In the United States of America. Yeah, within the, in the U.S. Fathers were going to the religious leaders and asking them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, I was, I was with you. So, um, all the opposition and fighting, all it did was fuel the fire in me to join. So sure. I ended up enlisting in the National Guard. I chose to serve part time for two reasons. One, I wanted to graduate college, but also I want to at least appease my local community by not just getting up and leaving, going you know full time active duty. So part of it was like, all right, let me let me let me compromise here and try this route. Would you have done it differently? In hindsight? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have gone full active. Full active. Yeah, full active. But, again, me being, you know, 22, 21, 22 at the time right. and still pressured with the way the – I mean, you get uh, oldest son in the culture, sure. all that stuff. So I still had a lot of pressure that I had to deal with um, on that end. So at boot camp, I was alone. I didn't – so, when, yeah, now, now going to boot camp – I was alone. I didn't get many letters from home. Um, when I was allowed to make phone calls, they were very brief, awkward. So were you shunned? Pretty much, yeah. Like from the family? Oh, yeah. Yep. And how are they, not to jump forward, but how are they now with it? Um, They are... Do they, like, refuse to believe it? Okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird... It's a weird... Uh, dynamic dynamic yeah exactly yeah that's a good word actually weird dynamic um so at boot camp again I, like i didn't so when i graduate and then and then come actually uh coming up i was starting uh, i was about to graduate from boot camp and i i i'll, uh, I'll never forget i uh i call home and i tell my uh my family hey i'm graduating you guys can come down uh, you know, it's a whole ceremony that the army puts together and all that. Because, you know, I, I went away for about three months, boot camp right. and the school uh, of field yeah. artillery I was at. So we were given graduate graduation dates where families can stay. Here's the hotel information. Here's this. Here's the flight info if you need it, whatever. Um, I was told that no one was coming. Yeah. So I was like, oh, all right. See, in, in a way, it's not surprising to me yeah. um, because of my cultural background. Yeah. I'm not Lebanese, right? But our cultures are very similar. Yeah. 
right? And to, to turn it just for a second into law enforcement. Yeah. I don't know how it is in Lebanon, um, but in Europe, or in, in a lot of Europe, policing is looked down on. Yeah. It's looked down on. It's not professional. I mean, most of these countries are socialists. Yeah. Right? So it's like a national police. It's like part of the military. So it's completely yeah. different than what it is here. Yeah. But- a lot of the older Greeks coming here, like the generation before me, my parents' generation, for yep. example, yep. Um, almost looked down on you being a cop. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, you can't do anything else. Mm. You're going to be the cop and you're an asshole. Because you know, overseas, cops are treated much differently. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, I don't know if you know this, there's rioting in Greece right now. There's yes. like, there's four cops that are in intensive care and yeah. everybody's like, we don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Here we'd have a, we'd have a, like an uprising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but is it because of the, do they, did they look at the military the same way? Because the reason I'm asking is because in Greece, the military is looked at differently than law enforcement. Yeah. Like you have to serve in the military. You have to, it's like a proud thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well to, to them, yeah, I'm sure they would have wanted me in the Lebanese military because that's a pride thing for them. Right. Rather than here in the U S. Did you ever mention that to them? Like, Hey, all right, I won't join the U S military. Let me go the Lebanese military. No. How do you guys like that? No, no. I mean, no. You, this, I, is, this is your country. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I kind of made, made up my decision. I'm right. like, no, I'm, this is where I'm serving. I get it. And, and, you know, just, and and also that you know there was the side that that um, you know it was it was you know I started looking into it before September 11th and then especially right. after September 11th then I really pushed I'm like it oh, fueled you yeah you know it's time to go like it like any other um, younger uh, guy or girl my generation we just joined after because the country called for for fighters right. and right. we were like hell yeah let's go um, so so the cultural differences like we see it on the street right yeah. It doesn't matter where you're from. You're going to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. But the the difference is in the States, soldiers are revered. Yes. Right? Uh, the police departments are treated differently based on whether you're Dominican or yeah. Puerto Rican or Spanish or Lebanese or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, so I could see what you're saying. And I almost, I'm only playing devil's advocate. Yeah, 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 I yeah. can I can almost see why the family did that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing with 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 the military. They also thought about you know uh, Afghanistan ramped up, and then and yeah. then Iraq is in the horizon, and you know they were like, oh, you're gonna go back, and you know some of the comments was, oh, you're gonna go back and fight your own people. I was like, well, my own people, those Al Qaeda types, right? Aren't my they're people. not my people. <laughs> they're not my people. Right. So I'm gonna go over there to fight them because they're not they're not so human. Y- you were kind of seeing it as you know what. I'm doing my part for my country here yeah, yeah. and my people there. Yeah, exactly. I totally get it. Exactly. So, so you know, a, a year and a half later, so so I graduated, went back home, no fanfare, no family congratulating me. I was just, yeah. hey, he's back. You know, that's about it. <laughs> and I'm, it, it, at the same time, I'm sure it didn't matter to you. Right? No, it didn't. At that point, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, because it's just... I'm doing my job. Yeah, Fuck off. doing my job, whatever. Right. So, year and a half later, I get my orders to go to war. I was both excited and scared. Obviously, it's like holy shit, you know, this is real. When when, yeah. when I remember when I got those orders, it's like, uh huh. Now this there's is no real. turning back. It says you've been ordered, but you know, blah 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 blah, and it says operation. Then it says Operation Iraqi Freedom. I'm like, ah, yep, it's real. It's real, you know, uh, the ramp up and everything. And so, my family on their hand, we're not happy. So, you know, I understand. You know, what parent would want to see their child go off to war? Right. It's, it's an understandable 
thing. So, and then at that point, I also dealt with backlash uh, from my family and community. And at this point, I knew what to expect from them, though. You know, they would not understand why I had to go. For me, it was my duty to go and fight. It was about my fellow soldiers out there. It was also about helping and protecting those who were not part of that fight. You know, so I knew the language, knew the culture. Right. And I would be, you know, helpful to my unit and the civilians I would encounter. And, uh, you know, little did I know how much of an impact I, I would have when I got there. I mean, I explained, like, in the previous episode when we first went to that Fr- French embassy and I, I, I mean, we got hooked up big time. Right. You know, when, when the Iraqi army saw that there's a, an actual U.S. soldier who spoke Arabic and, you know, it was a good, it was a great Well, they were also trying time. to but- butter you up, too. Well, right? yeah, I mean, sure. I was like, yeah, yeah, right. you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the friendly... Middle Eastern uh, U.S. soldier, you right. know, and and part of, part of it too is they had no idea what to make of me because they thought I was CIA. <laughs> I was like this this Deny. counter yeah this this counter terror CIA operative who will put them at Gitmo for the rest of their lives. <laughs> which let's be nice to him. Yeah, which which I would, but uh, <laughs> if they played for the wrong team, I always say right, play, right. play for Team America. You know, play for Team America. Yeah, we'll, so, t- we'll take care of you. Yeah, exactly. So so now you know. So now the the part two of this. In this article is a Middle Eastern veteran caught between two cultures. Who's the savage that I'm looking at? In oh, the yeah, that, that's me. That's you? Yeah. Again, How, how old are you there? Young me. That's uh, 22-year-old me. 22, 23-year-old me. That was, what, like 30 years ago? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> feels like it. Feel, uh, totally, totally feels like it. You didn't see like what it. I did there. <laughs> savage. And who are, who are these guys? Uh, a couple of Iraqis we, we got to talk. Um, actually, they were, um, I forget exactly what we were doing, but it must have been a checkpoint or something. Got them okay. out. Okay. Had a little conversation with them. Uh, friendly guys. And so was it always, anytime you in- engaged anybody there, were they always like, fuck, who is this guy? Oh, yeah, no. It, it was first the confusion. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, is, what are the words coming out of his mouth? Right. I recognize them. It's but not processing. I don't know them. Right. You know, so so it's like it's, And your dialect is perfect, right? So my dialect is Lebanese. So so the Iraqi dialect is a lot different than the Lebanese. Okay. Right. So if you want to think Spanish in Spain versus Spanish in Mexico. Okay. You know right. what I mean? I get like you. I get you. But you're gonna communicate. We are gonna communicate. So right. so the, the, the Middle Eastern world is, is is funny like that, where the Saudis have a completely different, Iraqi's different, Lebanese right. is different, Egyptian is different, Libyan I will. I could never understand a Libyan or an Algerian. Really, I've tried talking to a couple of guys that I've met over the years. You know, throughout throughout my life, who are Libyan and Algerian. Good luck. No shit. Oh yeah, and it's Arabic. the same language. It's the same language. It's just their Different. dialect yeah. is so hard to understand. So the Iraqis, it took me about I'd say about a month to acclimate to their to their dialect. Right. Right. So, and and the way I did it is I talked to a lot of the Iraqi contractors that were on base. Yep. Talk to them, talk to them, just start to get used to how their mannerisms, their mannerisms. And, and how they talk. Right. Because in the Iraqi language, um, they have extra let, uh, letters in the Arabic alphabet. Okay. I knew, I had heard that. So, yeah. So, so certain words for them is different. Like uh, for, 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 let's say, I'm going to say I'm talking uh, or, or you're talking. All right. So in Arabic, I would say I'm Behki. So, but in Iraqi, It'd be like uh, I'm Bechchi. 
like just I got you. So different. they're slightly like, like a twang almost. Yeah, right? almost. And 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 the Lebanese is very. Um, it's kind of like American Arab version of Arabic, you know, versus standardized you, almost. Yeah. No, not standardized. So you have the British English, right? Gotcha. And then you got the American Redcoat English. weirdos. Yeah. Then you got the American English. Yeah. Lebanon is sort of the same way where it's a lot more modernized. But then it's also just kind of like the U.S. where you know somebody's from Boston. You know oh, yeah. somebody's oh, from yeah. Connecticut. Oh, yeah. I'll know. You, uh, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. The minute I, uh, someone opens their mouth at me, you I'll know, know exactly. It's the same thing in Europe, region. dude. Yeah. Greece. Yeah. Greece is the same thing. Like yeah. sometimes I hear the northerners speak and I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. The fuck are they saying? Yeah. yeah that's the same thing with me. Northern Lebanon is the north. You're like, oh, yeah, you're, you're definitely from the north. Just by the Southern accent. Greeks are the real Greeks, just in case anybody's... Southern Lebanese are the real Lebanese <laughs> also. So, I love it. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Dirty South. <laughs> All right. So let's go All back right. into the Middle East. <laughs> so Middle East. Go back to Middle East. Um, so actually, that picture, that was a... That's a that, that was actually a picture I took through my night vision goggles. And you see how bright the stars, the stars are? Yeah. That's and, the first thing I noticed. And what's great is because, you know, over there, there's no light pollution. So in the yeah. middle of the night, when on a, on a, not a single cloud up, yeah. I'll take my night vision and literally you can, you see, can see the cosmos. It's, it's a, like it's you can amazing. see the satellites. You can see everything. It was between it was actually, the mortars and the well, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> the tracers, tracer rounds. <laughs> oh, it's a shooting Oops. star. No, that's a tracer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so now you know. Uh, so in this one, actually, so it was in the middle of the night, and the Iraqi desert was cold. It was cold, yeah. which is kind of funny to say, but cold in, in in the Iraq. Like so, during the day it'll be 120 degrees, but at night it drops to 50. Drops. And what you're wearing is full thermals, full winter jacket because right. it's freaking freezing. So well, during the day your body's acclimating to the yeah, weather too, right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So and and what's funny is to see the burn barrels. Everyone huddled around the burn, burn <laughs> barrels 50. on base at 50 degrees. You're like back in Boston. This <laughs> yeah. is a fucking summer day, <laughs> exactly. dude. Dude, it was it was yeah. the funniest thing. So anyway, so. Uh, the Praetorians, my beloved Praetorians and uh, Spartan Six, who are, we are brothers for life. Um, we were conducting a combat patrol uh, during the Iraqi election. So the Iraqi election obviously is a very, 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 very tense time. Yeah, a little bit. Not like here. Uh, I'll tell you right now. A <laughs> little bit. The little election over there is life and death for those who go to right. vote. That, were, they, were they? At what point did they start doing the... Um the paint. That was the first. Uh, that was the first I election. That was the first election. So I had seen election. that. So here's what's funny: ballots, right? Over here, they talk about ballots and mm. blah blah blah, illegal ballots and everything. So over there, uh, we had to assist the Iraqi army with uh, securing the ballots and moving them to a central location, undisclosed. Okay. Because it is such. It was going to get hit. Well, it, I mean, here's the thing: they get there. You know, the Iraqis are introduced to this freedom of picking your elected official, and it's so brand new to them yeah. that the opportunity for these terrorists to do, or even not so much terrorists, insurgents, or even factions, right. to try to disrupt it. The human nature of disrupt disrupting it, I guess, is it. very, very high. Right. You know, so so you know, we we we. Uh, Oh, I got a funny story about that one because I'll never forget. It's one thing like I'll never forget. So now with the election, the night of, there's an all-out curfew. Okay. Mandate to stay home. Okay. There shouldn't be a friggin' single car out on the road. If it is, it's going to get stopped and we're okay. going to toss it upside down, inside out, and send the person back home. Um, so we have, you know, we're, we're dressed like that. We have all our lights off. We got the night vision going yeah. and we see a convoy of vehicles coming. We're like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. 
we had no idea who it was. So now we're like, oh shit, this must be like a fucking a force, a force that's yeah. uh, trying to hit you know one of the convoys with the election and everything. Ballot boxes. So we set up a uh, an ambush site to, to kind of <laughs> wait out and see who's coming. Who the fuck it is, right? And as we're setting up and we're setting up and it's coming close, now we see RPGs, people with RPGs and freaking you know the AKs. We're, we're starting to make distinct. So now you're like, oh shit, it's coming. Oh shit, it's coming, exactly. Sure enough, it was actually the Iraqi army. And the guy who was leading it, who actually died uh, a couple years later, I guess, from what I learned. But uh, he was a Iraqi army major. And he was the front of the convoy. And he gets out and greets us. And that was the same guy we just did the safety brief with. No shit. During the day. No shit. So we're like, whoo. I'm like, okay. Lucky motherfuckers. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he was in charge. They, they had the ballots and they were going from point A to point B to pick up yeah. more ballots and whatnot. So it was like, that was a hairy situation because it was like, oh, Jesus. Because we don't have radio comms with them. It could have gone south. Have, yeah. Like they that. don't have radio comms with us. So it was kind of like, all right, well, at least we recognize who it was and, and, and they, they went. So off they went. And so. One of the gunners, so, uh, you know, as the night moves on, we notice, uh, one of the gunners notices uh, someone down the road, down the ways, uh, uh, digging by the side of the road. Oh, just digging? Setting yeah. a fucking garden. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we're like, all right, let's sneak up on him. So I, as we moved closer to him, he ran. He heard the noise. Again, it's the desert. There's not a sound. I mean, right. You can hear footsteps. If You know what I mean? Right. So he took off running. Uh, so we, uh, we uh, caught up to the area where he was, and we saw it was an IED that he was putting together. Um, I still have a picture of that IED. Um, you know, through the through the nods, and it was a one five five round, which is a, a big hundred boy. pound, yeah, yeah hundred pound artillery round. Yeah, that, that would have done a lot digging. of damage. Oh yeah, yeah, that he was trying to disrupt the ballots. And again, you know, I I find it funny, like over here, all the ballot talk and all that crap, and I'm like, yeah, over there they use IEDs and and, and to all kinds blow of, you up, yeah, to blow you up, and and you, you know, know the fucking temperature in the ballot area yeah. wasn't nice. Yeah, exactly. So fucking so. people. <laughs> Sorry, I'm it's sorry. Okay. It's all right. So he ran off. Uh, we ended up clearing the mud huts in the village, looking for him. So as we went through the each hut, I would order the occupants to keep their hands where we could see them. And unfortunately, we weren't able to uh, to look for him. So it's funny story here is uh, while we were clearing these poor guys and families, right? So. The desert, again, unforgiving type environment. Uh, usually you'll find families that they were set up in like the living rooms sleeping, not yeah. so much in their bedrooms and stuff. It's all mud huts, right? It's villages. Right. So we're walking through clearing each village, each mud hut. And mud hut. You know, a, a dad would like wake up and he's like, oh shit. You know, yeah. and we're like, I'm, I'm telling them. And, and I remember the battalion commander telling me, he's like, hey, tell them it's okay. They can go back to bed. <laughs> And I'm, th- I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this family's not, probably not going to sleep the rest oh, yeah. of the night. They just had 12, yeah. 14 American soldiers. Fucking baboons going through their house. Fuck, exactly. Fucking <laughs> guns, grenades, whatever. Yeah. And, and all they see is one soldier speaking Arabic say, shh, go back to sleep. Bad fucking dream, you're, dude. You're okay. Nothing. <laughs> So, you know, exactly. So thinking about it, you're like, you know, again, years later, I I laugh because it's like, how can you tell 
the family <laughs> to go back to sleep. Right. So, yeah, anyways, in the end, so we went back to the area where we initially saw him and, and saw it was an IED that he was assembling. So it was safe. Uh, it was safe enough to be closed because it wasn't. Uh, it. Yeah, it wasn't completed, nothing like that. So we called in EOD to get rid of the device. So, um, Praetorian on guard. So this next section I talk about. So I walked around uh, with my fellow Praetorians and as Spartan 6 was talking to a prisoner warden near Mosul. Um, I kept my eyes and ears open because I was the, uh, because what at the time, like sometimes what happens is. This is good intel. This is good intel. What happens is I, I get removed from being a translator for the colonel because somebody else is doing it now. An Iraqi, yeah, yeah. right, is doing it. So it's perfect. So now. I just hang out and I just listen. And you're getting bird's eye at this yeah, point. Yeah, bird's eye view of everything, right? Getting the feel of the room sure. and, and all that, which was which was great. So I kept my eyes and ears on the Iraqi police because they were very. It's, it was a very very corrupt organization that a lot of insurgents have infiltrated, uh, and they don't wear uniforms sometimes. Actually, there's there's one time we actually stumbled on three who claimed they were Iraqi police, but we you know again there's no you database. You don't know. You know they're walking around with three AKs. Um, approaching a village, and we stop them, and we friggin', you know, give, uh, they gave up right away. We took away their weapons, and we're like, yeah, we don't know who you are. Take right. a hike, you know, and uh, and it's just you don't know. You had to feel it out, basically. Yeah, take exactly. a chance. I mean, I could you could tell they were full of shit, and and you're like, eh, you know, yeah, all right. Take yeah, but up. then like again, the enemy, right? They're learning your procedures. They're yeah. learning what you're looking for. Exactly. You don't know if they're going to adapt to that. Exactly, exactly. Counter intel type of shit, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So walking around with the with the warden, they were talking, they they I'll never forget walking by a room in this Iraqi prison and I look to the left and there's a chair with uh, a battery and wires hooked up to this chair. I'm like, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> All right, let us keep walking. <laughs> so uh my type of shit. Yeah, right. So a male subject uh, walked by me. He had a Glock pistol in his hands, but he was hiding it at the small of his back. Yeah. So he's walking up, and I'm like, I see this. Was it concealed, or was it like, oh, it's in the small of my no, back? No, like, like, literally, it was like this, yeah. not concealed. Okay. Not concealed. He was holding it. Weird. So, exactly. So, And he's walking towards the, our battalion commander, the commander of the guard, you know, the yeah. prison, shit like that. And he's just walking like nonchalant, right? And right away, I yell at him, stop, you know, in Arabic, don't don't take another step. And my gun was, you know, my... At the ready. At yeah, the yeah. ready. And the Praetorians see that. And I'm talking in Arabic, and they all adjust. They're like, oh, shit. Fuck. Kafel's got something. Right. You know, so... Natural. I, yeah, so he froze in his tracks. I told him, drop the gun and step back before I shot him. I literally told him that in Arabic. I said, put the gun down or I'm going to I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. Uh, puts the gun down. He complied. Warden quickly shouted that the male subject was one of his Iraqi police as part of the protective detail. I was like, well. Now he was just in civvies? He was in like, civvies. Unid uh, no identifications. Smart. Nothing. So that would have been, that would have ended badly, right? right yeah. And, and yeah. it's a perceived threat. You know, and and it would have been fine for you at the well, end of the day. Well, my right? ROEs, my the ROEs at the time in two thousand five, hostile intent, hostile action. That's it. Right. So he may, to me, I may have perceived a hostile intent. He's going into the red zone, and I engaged, and I engaged, and that's it. You know, so so it's it's kind of like you know when when you do these protective details in in a war zone with a high ranking official, you want to think of it as nearly 
as much as like the president with his secret service. Sure. You know, there's the red zone. You don't sure. you never go in and within that red zone. We know this. You've done it. I've yeah. done it. Like you cross that fucking red into the red zone. Yeah. Different yeah, game. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so, I mean, then I was thinking in my head, yeah, you know what? He might have been, the warden cleared him, but could have been an assassination attempt on the colonel. Right. You know, could wasn't an al-Qaeda terrorist that made it into the Iraqi police. So many questions were going through my head. He was eventually identified and let go. But these are the things that was going on in my head. You're 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 looking. You're a threat until you're not. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And to me, still, even to this day, he's still a threat. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I, I fucking warden says he. You know, he's part of his guard or whatever. He but, could be fucking in on it too. But the way. He, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like the protective detail around the warden were known, and their weapons were at the ready. Oh. Not like. Small the bag, right. and I'm going to walk up. So he was completely different than yeah. everything that you had seen. He exactly. stuck out like a sore thumb. Exactly. You know, and, and that's me being the bird's eye exactly. outside, yep. Yep. you know? So those those are, you know, that was a very, very hairy situation right there. And and there were times I suspected certain Iraqis I spoke with there uh, were there to do more harm than good. I found it frustrating that Iraqis did not have the concept of fighting for their country. What do you mean by that? I read that earlier, and I was so, like, so it, they would fight for a religious figure, dictator, or an ideology, right? Okay. So let's say uh, the Sunnis, right? They fight against the Shiites. Shiites, yeah. Shiites fight against the Sunnis, and that's it. But within the Sunni and the Shiite, there's also different factions in, that are infighting. Infighting. Okay. All right. Now you have the Iraqi police who are supposed to, or the Iraqi army even who are supposed to be the protectors of the country, but they don't like this faction, right. and that faction doesn't like them. Now, you put these two guys in yeah. the same unit, what are they going to do? They're going to try to kill each other. Of course. Right? So they had no concept of fighting for their country, unlike us, right? Where it didn't matter where I'm, com- I'm from, even as cops, right? We all have a common cause, right. a common goal, a common mission, right? <laughs> so We operate under the flag. Exactly. That's, a, that's all we know. Right. I bleed blue, I bleed green i right. bleed red white and blue right that's it um you know so one day we were talking to uh some iraqis uh, like a squad of uh iraqi police and i pointed out to them that my uh, my squad i was on we were made up of people of all races and religions you know i ex- i had to explain that we fought for each other and our country um i think the next one is going to be a picture of me talking to those iraqis um if you have that up yeah there you go all sweaty Dude, it was hot. Fucking savage. Look at you. <laughs> it was hot. So I'm sitting there talking, and and I tell them, I said, uh, you know, I was asked several times by Iraqis, why did I join the U.S. military? My response was always the same. I joined to help and separate the bad Arabs from the good ones. It's something I needed to do right. when uh, the U.S. went to war in the Middle East. I knew my, I knew my country needed someone like me, uh, American service member, uh, who are about to step into uh, American service members were about to step into that world that is very very tough for them to understand. Here's the th- like like anything, the Middle East is a very enclosed society. Right. Right. It has a lot of quirks, a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts. Moving parts. Uh, tons. Religion is at the front and forefront of everything. Whether it's Christianity, Islam, Judaism, it's whatever, it's the forefront. It's the law over there. Look. So. I have a couple of questions yep. and a couple of observations too. Yep. So the religious aspect. Yep. They were fighting more for the religious aspect. Yeah. Now, in a way, don't take it the wrong way. I don't blame them. 
mm-hmm. right? Because religion, we know, yeah. it's, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but religion is a form of control, yeah, right? So you're in an area of the world that's divisive, yeah. it's explosive, right? Yeah. Religion is going to bond you together, yeah, right? So I could see as little kids, I've said it to you before, like we could we could brainwash our kids oh, yeah. into just about anything. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's any parent. Yeah. You know, once they get to that theta state, the brain state, then they kind of think on their well, own. That's why right? my son thinks a lot of people are mutants because I don't like a lot of people. So he's learning <laughs> to call people mutants, mutants, which I'm very proud of. So it's awesome. <laughs> so I could see them. That's the way they grew up. That's yes. all they knew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And their religion was the only thing that they could fall back on. Exactly. When they didn't have food. Well, when and they didn't have when when they didn't understand why something happened. The religion. religion. It's God. God's it's way. God. It's God's right. road or whatever. And and I've actually spoken to some young Iraqi kids. You're talking 9, 10, 11 year olds, you know, when I do my village stuff and whatever. And they tell me, you know, like, they'll, like, let's say they were Sunnis and they'll say, oh, Shiites, we don't talk to them. They're dirty, And they didn't people. know why. Didn't know why. They, yeah. would, they would just say they're dirty, nasty people. Yeah. Okay, well. You're fucking dirty and nasty. Right. Like, what, 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 no, I'm clean. Yeah, right. What? So, so it's like a hoarder. But you know, it's like you go right. into a hoarder's house and he says nothing. What really? I'm hoarding. Right. There's nothing wrong here. You're the hoarder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm so, not the hoarder. Yeah, exactly. So, so it was like, oh my god. And and I I pointed that out to the to the Iraqis where I'm like, listen, look at my squad. You have a J- Japanese. You have Chinese. You have uh, white. You have me, Middle Eastern. You have all sorts of different people fighting for the same cause, which is fighting for each other. Knowing the culture. Yes. Let me ask you the question. Were they surprised and like, did, did, did you open their eyes by that? Or were they like, look at these fucking idiots? Two, they're, they're so enclosed. Again, yeah. thousands of years of that in Beaten their DNA. into them. Yep. That is the very fabric of their DNA. And that's something that's going to take generations to, to overcome change and it's never going to change. I'll tell you that right. right now. It's never, ever going to change because you see it even here, here in the U S friggin' you got some Southerners that still pissed off. They lost the civil war. Yeah. I mean, right. just, just bring it here. It's never going to fucking it's change. It's never going to change. You know, so, uh, some people that still Wait, f- bias training doesn't work. <laughs> uh, Checkbox training. Yeah. That's that's what that Fucking is. Check, checkbox. It's all right. I'll take my day out of the office and <laughs> learn about bias. About nothing. Yeah. Wasting exactly. taxpayer fucking money. Exactly. Sorry, exactly. guys. Sorry. Blood all right. Here we go. Hey, going keep, up. listen. Doctor already told you keep your blood pressure low. And there Good. you go. There you go. Keep going. <laughs> oh, here's the other question I had on yep. this picture. Yep. So I know. Middle Eastern, it's it's a generalized statement, yeah. but I know mineral, min, mineral, mi, mineral Eastern, <laughs> yeah. Middle Eastern cultures like to get up close. Yes. How were they? Did it surprise them when you started speaking Arabic? Yep. And were they like, did it, did they drop their guard and they yeah, get close they became, to you and they, all that? Yep, exactly. Okay. They became more comfortable. That's why I was so close. That's to why them. I'm, that's what I'm noticing here. And and again, like you said, we're very we're very very animated. In um, in in how we talk, right, right, because yeah. so it's funny. Like I'll, uh, you know, when I was growing up, um, I'll, I'll <laughs> like when my mother and dad or whatever we talk loud at a barbecue, right. yeah, and, and people, people think outside that you're arguing. Yeah, we're arguing. Right. Oh no, we're not. We're not arguing. We're just talking. Yeah, my mom know? just told me that she loved me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, that's how she sounded like she wants to skin you alive. Right. Oh no, no, yeah. no. This is this is my mom. Tell me, ah, yeah. you're like. 
Holy. Uh, yeah. What yeah. the fuck was that? I know. That sounds like, dude, is she, she going to fight you? Like, no, no, no. She just told me she loved me. Yeah, she's that's got all. a knife, bro. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, well, that's the other thing. Like, my, my again, culturally, like, yep. mother talks to me. She's, you know, cutting up the vegetables, and she'll point the knife while she's talking to me. Yeah. Well, you know, this and this and this, and you, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, the reason I'm asking that, right, is like a lot of the soldiers that you were with yeah. didn't didn't know a lot of these things. I'm sure they were no. introduced a little bit. Yeah. But when they would see you be comfortable with a guy standing, that's your space. Yeah. And they get that's comfortable. your space. They get comfortable. They're like, okay, Iman's cool with it. Yeah. We're cool with it. And then they, they you know, the hand gestures and all yeah. that shit. Like the the Iraqi guy with the gun smallest back. Yeah. I kept my distance. Right. I said, oh, you're not fucking coming near me. Right. You know, drop your shit. So your guy saw that and was like, oh, that's well, a that's fucking why, threat. That's why their guns trained that way too. Because right. even I, I, even though I was not speaking English, because I had to address it right away. Yeah. Um, again, freaking anger language speaks everywhere. <laughs> so they, they, they knew exactly that. that there was a threat. Yeah. And Iman's eyes is, and gun is laser focused at this fucking guy. And so are we now. You know, so and and yep. you know, I felt bad for the battalion commander because here he is talking to the warden, and he's confused, like, "What the fuck's going what's, on?" Yeah, what's this? And fuck? and you know, again, what I enjoyed about the battalion commander is he let us do our thing, didn't step in. All right, just do you know, take care of business. Take care of business. You're taking care of me, and that's all. That's all. Yep. I, you know, you guys did. So so, uh, it, it's it's it was such a bizarre bizarre. Um, experience yeah right i mean it was a it was both wonderful and terrible because one terrible side you see uh how terrible humans are uh to each other especially especially the passion of religion comes in it's it's something out of this of world. course it is out of this world which i'm surprised in the states here because of how different the cultures are yeah. i'm surprised that religion doesn't take more of a precedence like, I know people are like, okay, the, the, there's Catholicism and, yeah. you know what I mean, there's yeah. Christianity. It's always in the back of somebody's mind. I'm surprised that it's not more prevalent here. I think because here, a lot of these uh, these uh, uh, people who come to the United States, they're trying to escape that sort of oppression. Right, okay. Right. They're, yeah. trying, to, they're trying to make something of themselves because overseas, you really don't get anywhere. Unless, without your religion, without your religion, and 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 your it, sometimes it it may feel like your religion's holding you back because you can't do certain things. Right. Well, I'm not, you know, and and again, it's the religious leaders using religion to oppress the people, even though in reality, religion keeps you at an open mind, like it's supposed. Well, to it's supposed to in reality enlighten you and exactly stuff like that. But when religious leaders now now here's the thing in the Middle East, human beings, yeah, human beings, uh, in the Middle East is is a very very high illiteracy rate, eighty to ninety percent, something crazy like yeah. that. So you, I know where you're going with this. You have uh, an, a population that can hardly read and write. So what do these cor- these corrupt religious fanatics do that know how to read and write? They will say, well, the Bible or the Quran or or whatever or or the 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 yeah the uh, the Torah says this. Whatever, yeah. All right. You're gonna take your word. You're for it. you're relying on me. Exactly. Now I hold. It's he who holds the gold. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'm holding the gold. Exactly. I'm controlling Ayman and his village. I, I remember uh, in Mosul, overhearing um, the uh, the mosque. You know, they have loudspeakers because again, the mosques there are massive. You're talking yeah. hundreds of thousands of people that go there. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like uh, the the churches down south, right? It's a whole stadium stadium seating and everything, and and 
I would hear them, you know, I, I remember sitting at the rooftop of Mosul, me and my guys smoking cigars, drinking fake beer, and uh, literally we near yeah. beer. So, you know, we're just talking and playing spades or whatever. Oh, I have some cigars for you too, by the way, but oh, go on. Okay. Yeah. So he, uh, so they, uh, I remember listening to this guy and he would talk about the evil that's infecting Iraq and meaning the U.S. soldiers, yeah, yeah. right? So this is at afternoon prayer time. So what is this guy doing? He's ramping up the people. Exactly. So as soon as prayer leaves, you know, they're in their head, they're going to be like, oh, these fucking, like, you know, just because he's getting them pumped up for the fight. Yep. You know? They so don't know any better. They don't know any better because that's a religious figure to them who's telling them truth to them. The, the concept, not to get all religious, but the concept behind religion, Yeah. I like. Yeah. I like, I like, you know, I, I believe in certain things. You believe in certain yep. things, right? I yep. can't stand when, when a human starts touching things. Yeah. They fucking ruin it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the thing. You, again, religion is flawed because humans are flawed. Exactly. So but it's, it's like a paradox almost, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's created by humans. Yeah. And we're supposed to kind of be open and have our own religion and our own yeah. faith and all this stuff. But the second that, you know, I always used to to make fun of even the, the, the Greek church. Yeah. Say, I'm, I'm kind of sick of leading my life yeah. by what old, what old Greek men tell me to do. Yeah. Because they think it's right. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm not trying to insult them. Yeah. Like, I believe. Yeah. It's, right? it's all, it's all in, subject for interpreta- interpretation. interpretation. That's the thing. Even as cops, right? Yeah. The law. Yep. Each of us interpret a certain law a certain ways. Lawyers do the same thing. Exactly. So, and that's why, as as cops, we have this powerful word called discretion. Yeah. Right. We we it's can, one of our most powerful words. Yeah. Exactly. So so with religion, you, there is no discretion. Right. This is the way. Now, to me, I've always said like, I don't re- need religion to tell me I have my own moral compass. Right. I don't need re- religion to tell me I can't kill that dude. Well, same thing with the law, you know. Right? Same thing with the law. I don't like, need a law to tell me that I can't kill somebody. Yeah, exactly. So, so some of us are already born in predispositioned with this, more, you know, high moral compass that right. we, that will be with us for the rest of our lives. But that's also indicative of how we grew up. Yeah. Right. Because if I'm in stayed, let's say you were from Iraq and you stayed in the village in Iraq, that's yeah. all you knew. No, that's all exactly. That's all you knew exactly. And it. One motherfucker said, oh, I could take advantage of all these people in this, oh, yeah. in this village. That's exactly what happened. Right. With, with Al-Qaeda, with ISIS, with all of them. That, that, that's what they do. They go into these villages, and that's what they do. They Brainwashing. Recruit, yeah. They recruit young, uh, uh, soldier-aged uh, men to do their work. And, do you, and, and do you see it here? No. Uh, well... So I'll give you this, right? So when I was uh, growing up uh, here, I'm not going to get into like exact locations or anything. I went to a, a local mosque. And this local mosque I never used to like. My dad used to force me to go. Yep. I never liked it because on, on the Friday nights, it's like, you know, Friday Fridays in, in Islam is like Sunday for Christianity. Okay. You know, that's like. It's the holy day. It's the holy day. So Friday nights they do prayer and then you, you can sit there, shoot the shit with people and, you know, kind of like a get together, whatever. So, so I remember being there on a Friday night, and I'll never forget that I was overhearing this argument between two uh, religious figures. Mm-hmm. One of them said, if you're not a Muslim, you deserve to die. That's what, this is why I'm asking these yeah. things. No, so, yeah, no, so uh, to answer your question, yes, it does yeah. happen here. Because one of my old friends um, actually uh, uh, became a terrorist. No shit. Yeah. 
like went overseas. Yeah, he went overseas. Uh, his name his name was he actually got killed. Um, uh, Ahmed Sh- uh, Shamsuddin. Uh, no, not Shamsuddin. Uh, I'll have to look up his name. Sorry, I, I don't CIA say will contact. Yeah, him. yeah, I don't want to say his uh, his last name yeah. wrong. But anyways, so so he was he was someone that was radicalized by Here. somebody in the U.S. that caused him to go overseas to do what he did. So you've seen how easy it is there. Yeah. You see how easy it can be here. Yeah. Let me ask you another question. Yeah. Do you think that politics here is replacing religion? So. The fanaticism. This is why it's all clicking yeah, in my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we, we touch that, I wrote an article about that. Oh, you did? I called it uh, Politicians are the New Extremists. Oh, I want to do that next show. <laughs> All right, so next show we'll get into that. Okay. All right, next show we'll get into that. I don't. But wanna... you see where I'm getting yeah, with that, no, I, and I, I naturally gravitated towards exactly. that from everything that we're talking about. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree, and and we will we will do that on another show because it's 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 going to tie it all in. Yep, you okay. know, so with the fanaticism and everything. So next uh, show, guys, we're going to do show, that one. Yeah. Um, one thing though about that kid that that was my friend. If you recall years ago when. A couple guys wanted to go shoot up the North Attleboro Mall. Yes. Do you remember I know that? that very well, yeah. That was one of my friends. He, oh, really? He was that one that was planning this whole thing. <laughs> but, you know, he ended up getting caught, and the FBI was looking for him. Right. He went to, uh, here's how crazy he was. He went to Afghanistan to join up Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda thought he was too extreme for them. That's, they wouldn't even take him. They were like, this motherfucker's crazy. Yeah. We don't want him. But ISIS took him. He became ISIS. Yeah, ISIS ISIS's, uh, he became ISIS's social media guy. You know, I felt terrible for his mom and dad. His dad, yeah. a fucking awesome dude, doctor, nicest guy in the world, mother, sweetest, sweetest pie. You can't control but, what the kids are doing, dude. But, exactly. But at that, at that specific mosque, I, I truly feel that there was a lot of ra- radicalization going on there. You know, you could see it. You could feel it. And this is one mosque. One mosque. Again, it takes me back to even in the churches here. Yeah. Right? You go into the church and they tell you what you should be thinking. Yes. As opposed to thinking for yourself. I'm not dogging the church. Yeah. There's a lot of good in it. Yeah. There's a lot of good in the Muslim community, a lot of good in the Christian community. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's what my point is. Like, maybe we should be thinking a little bit more for our fucking selves. Well, that and, and maybe we should pay attention to when our kids tell us, like when I used to tell my parents... I do not like going there. <laughs> yeah. Well, there might be a reason why. Right. You know, there was this fantastic book I read years ago. Um, I still have it. Um, it's about basically this kid in Britain uh, being rac- radicalized Red into code. Islam and then getting out of it. But And he wrote a book about it. Where he got radicalized into Islam and got out. No, no. So he, no, he, he, he's Muslim. Yeah. Went to mosque, got radicalized at oh, mosque. Okay. But then he pulled himself out. Because he realized he was going down a dark path. This is fucked up. This is fucked up. And he wrote a book about it. Phenomenal book. Really? Oh, phenomenal book. Because here's the thing. Like, reading it, I could see it. Like, yeah. you know, at, at places I've been. Right. You know, with the, with the radicalization and how these people, like, they will in, they will hook, get, you know, hook into kids and feed it's them the easiest the thing shit. in the world, man. Exactly. Again, a, a, a young kid, politics. No, a young kid as a teenager in high school and stuff like that, how... How easy is it to influence a young kid in high school? A young kid in high school is it, it can have their own thoughts, right? Yeah. Imagine doing it from like my little ones, your yeah. kid. Yeah. Like 
we bring it back to Rona. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could have kept these kids in the fucking basement for a year and told them there's a sick bug out there. Yeah. And they would have fucking believed it. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. We were told the same shit. Yeah. Radical yeah. Islam is told the same shit. Yeah. Radical Christians are told the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, a human condition. Here, here's the thing. Again, like I always say, at war, I learned about the radicalism of Islam, Christianity, Judaism, freaking Fucking everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, again, the, 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 the Middle, Middle East is like the birthplace of all these religions. Yeah. It's the birthplace. So their views are so extreme and they've been fighting for so long over these views yep. and and for me to come over and say hey you know um it, you need to change again that's going to be generations you know generation upon generation upon generation or genocide genocide yeah the, the way isis was doing cleaning the it, house exactly yeah exactly just and, and wiping and villages what they, out and what ISIS did was very successful at doing it, and it brought it back. Probably it brought what, it five hundred years. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Whatever. You know, the, some of the saddest scenes I saw when when ISIS was invading Iraq was the same exact Iraqi army and police outpost that we used to go to a lot was overrun by ISIS. I was like, God Fuck. damn. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. You know. So so that that's one thing. I, I you know another thing that I won't forget. You know, right. as a result is because I seeing that sign and seeing them go down there. I'm like, oh my God. We, you know, soldiers have died protecting that. You right. Know, we've gone over there fighting, and now we lost it. And now we lost it because of a, of this movement and the U.S.'s Bril brilliant movement from the from the tactical and logistical side. Oh yeah. Right. I'm not saying that oh, ISIS yeah. was a good move. No, no. Easy fucking but, people. <laughs> but. but I, I blame the foreign policy yep. that we had in place at the time for this type of movement to happen. Now, should we be there? Should we be fighting? No, whatever. I don't care. But here's the thing. As, as a U.S. soldier, as a veteran who fought over there and yep. who's lost friends over there, I would have gladly picked up my M4 again and gone back there and wiped fucking ISIS out. Absolutely. And you saw it. You saw a lot of young Americans who are veterans go over there to fight with the Kurds. Yep. You saw that because they knew they had that duty. They knew what the, what was the fighting for, you know? Well, they knew the end result. Yeah. If they didn't fight. Yeah. It's kind of like here. Like, yeah. if we didn't fight here, what was it, 3% of the population decided to fucking cause a revolution? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, something like that. If you you're know? not going to do it, who is? Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. That's the thing. If not me, then who? Who? That, that's that's the thing. So, towards uh, let me get to the ending of this. I know we kind of sidetracked a little. It's all right. Sure, people enjoy it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so one day, I mean, this is one thing that that I kind of got me mad too, being overseas fighting. Um, one day, I called home, talked to my sister. She told me of this man who, in a pickup truck, who tried to run my mother off the road because she was dressed traditional Middle Eastern uh, headwear, um, and she has a thick accent. And a thought flashed through my mind: Why the hell am I out here fighting for a country that doesn't care about my family or my culture? Um, I was angry that within the Middle Eastern community, I faced back backlash over joining the U.S. military and fighting in the Middle East. To me, I was surrounded by, quote-unquote, enemies on both sides of the pond. Right. Whether the enemy was racism or terrorism, I was surrounded by it. Racism wasn't just from a fellow American, but also those within the Middle Eastern community. And mind you, at, at my time of war, I was still a green card holder. I right. wasn't a U.S. citizen just yet. Yeah. 
it was after my service that I became a uh, U.S. citizen. The only reason why I didn't become yet, INS lost my file. So they, they had to look for it in the deepest, darkest corner of uh, the JFK building in order to, to, a to get it. fucking deep, dark corners. There. Yeah. So, so I became a citizen after war. Right. You know, and, and that was thanks to uh, George Bush and his policy, George Bush Jr., who said- Fought if, for the fucking country. Well, his, exactly. He said, if you, and when he realized there was a lot of U, U.S. Uh, service members with green cards, he said, no. That's unacceptable. No more. No right. more. You guys are going to be citizens. Like, no, that's not going to happen. You're first in line. For, exactly. And, and that's what exactly happened, which, again, thank you, you know, Mr. President. That GW. Was, that was a very good move on GW. His you, so, you, but you mentioned the racism thing, right? Yeah. I get it. This is where I'm going to say that – I'm not going to say I disagree with you, right, because there is racism. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything we can do about it. No. Uh, that specific incident. So the, the dickhead tried to run your mom off the road. Yeah. Right? I don't think there's anything we can do about it here. No. As fluffy and fucking nice as we think we are. Yeah. You always come back to the realization being people from other parts of the world yeah. that that happens everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. And uh, but you know I bring it up because at the time again I was at war and pissed me off and I'm like what right. the fuck? You know right. like here I am doing right. what I'm doing out here to protect everyone back home from from this these fucking terrorists and these you know and at home they they have the luxury of trying yeah. to run my mom off the road exactly where they're not dealing with the threats i deal with right. every single day i get it you know and and the iraqi public themselves you know there's there was a lot of innocence i mean they had to deal with it all the time you know whether it was coming from the us al qaeda uh, rogue ips you know iraqi police rogue iraqi army yep Freaking different militias, militants, like the, 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 the number was crazy, like in terms of the amount of different factions that were there in Iraq. You had the Iranian-backed factions. You had the Syrian-backed factions. You had the Ba'athist party that was still active yep. at the time. You, you had so many. You had al-Qaeda of Iraq, al-Qaeda of Afghanistan. Like you had the Chechnyans. You had, you had, it, it What was, a movie, like what a huge machine. Yeah. I mean, massive. And then you have... The uh, Allied forces, the U.S., the British, the Australian, the uh, the Canadian, right. the French, the uh, uh, who uh, Bulgarians, the um, who else do we have? The Italians, like the the massive amount of uh, Allied forces there too, sharing the common goal. Sharing the common goal. And I I, I used to remember we had to deconflict a lot with all these other. Um, forces to make yep. sure we're not hitting the same places and stuff like that. So it it's was an enormous, yeah. enormous job. Yeah. So I mean, as as me being being you know speaking Arabic over there, it it, it was also a difficult thing thing for a twenty two year old to decide who's good or who's bad and right. who's you know to make sure my squad and my battalion and my brigade get the right intel to be safe. I get it, dude. Yeah. So it was it was it was. Quite the uh, quite the experience. I totally get it. Would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. In a heartbeat. Oh, in a heartbeat. Yep, absolutely. I believe that. Yep, absolutely. So. Well, what are we fighting for? You know what I mean. We exactly. have to maintain this shit. Exactly. So exactly. what? So we're gonna do that other article next week. We'll do it next. Can't week. fucking wait. <laughs> we'll do it. Next Can't week. wait. You'll like it. Ah. <laughs> You'll like it. Awesome, dude. So, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, so that's the end of the article. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, yes. Again, different perspective uh, other than law enforcement kind of time in, yeah. in Iraq and war and, and whatnot. Look, it all ties in. Yeah. It all ties in. Yeah. You know, like I've done trainings with people that were over there. We're not going to talk names or anything like that, but a lot of the things that were over there are slowly seeping their way over here. Yeah. Might not be as extreme. 
but they are. And we need to realize that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, guys, listen. Thank you. Awesome. I mean, that was an awesome couple of articles, bro. Yeah. Thanks. So, listen, we're going to thank our supporters. HavocJournal.com, GymJunkies.com, Vector Shields, WellnessForWarriors.live, LiveBoston617.org. We love you guys. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.